listeners, this is Anjali again letting you know that the audio is going to be a little bit quiet on this episode. We hadn't quite had our technology issues ironed out at this point, but I promise it's coming soon. So please bear with us and enjoy the episode. podcast where a group of sisters get together and watch old shows that we loved. We are covering that 70s show and this is going to be season one, episode four, Battle of the Sexes. I am Angelie. I'm Sherilyn. And this is Corinne. And before we get started, how was everybody's week? Uh, I would say uneventful, thankfully, other than a little bit of sick toddlers. Your, your daughter had a birthday though. Yes. In the last week, she's one. It, it is very exciting. I love that. Your daughter's so cute. Little Thanks. baby. <laughs> How was your week? It was a little bit of a mess because your one of your kids was sick on Thursday. Mm-hmm. That was fun. And then, so I took the day off just so we didn't, you know, spread the stomach flu. And then come Monday, or I, no, let me back up. Sunday night, my daughter transitioned to a big girl bed. She's mm-hmm. now in a twin size bed. And then... That same night, she got the stomach flu. <laughs> so it was just a, a bit Nightmare. of a mess that night. And then, you know, she's still transitioning in the last few days to her big girl bed. Still sometimes wakes up in the middle of the night. And so she's having a hard time with that right now. And so I've gotten very little sleep, sleep this week. And so it's just been it's just a little a bit of a rough week on top of, you know, full-time work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And those of you that don't know, we actually record these in the evenings that we need to get out of Corinne's hair so she can maybe get a full night's sleep. But yeah, you were right. One of my kids did get the stomach flu this week and that was no fun. That made for a rough night for us too. I get it. It's it's so hard. Hopefully this fills the sick quota for all the kids. Yes. Please say we're done. <laughs> yes. That's what we're going for. <laughs> Well, uh, this episode, season one, episode four, Battle of the Sexists, the director for this episode was David Trainer. just like every other episode till the end of the series, it will be David Trainer. The writers were Bonnie Turner, Terry Turner, and Mark Brazil. We had no guest stars this time. Did you guys notice that? I did. It was only the regular cast. cast. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the original air date of this episode was September 20th, 1998. All right, well, let's get started. We're going to kick it off with the first scene. Uh, like she said before, no dates were given, so we don't know the exact time of year that this episode would have fallen in, but we know it's got to be fall of 76. We open in the basement with Jackie waiting for the boys to tell her what she wants to hear. Now, the boys are wearing casual 70s t-shirts and polos. Jackie is in a 70s-style knee-length denim skirt, a striped button-up dress shirt with another shirt on top, and oh my gosh, the pigtails. <laughs> really quick, I'm going to interrupt you because the shirt that she has on top is almost like a sweater vest. It's like sleeveless type vest. Yeah. And it has the initials JSB on it, which I could never tell if that was supposed to be like her initials. I've read different theories online about this, the, yeah. like trivia and things. Most people assume it is her initials, but later we'll find out, and I'm not going to say what it is, but later we'll find out. Jackie's middle name or what's supposed to be Jackie's middle name and it does not start with an S so part of me is like was this her initials is this a continuity error or is the supposed middle name that we hear later not real is this just 
they came up with it in the moment. I don't know. But JSB is on her sweater. Yeah, I, I think when I was looking that up this afternoon, just side note, because I know that this is a recurring outfit um, throughout the series. But I think because it was the 70s, it could have just been like a Jesus saves something. Maybe. But yeah. who knows what the last part is? Yeah, what what would that be? stand for so i have no I idea <laughs> just a, a thought mystery. it's yeah it will be a mystery unless anybody else can find the actual reasoning for this particular sweater top jackie goes to leave but not before insisting kelso calls her at eight o'clock ding 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 ding. mark it off your bingo cards i marked it that jackie was bossy to michael by the way if anybody else is playing along on the bingo cards you can find them on our instagram at we watch rewatch podcast and there's like eight different bingo cards. I used fourth bingo card there. I don't remember if I numbered them, but I used the fourth one that I uploaded on our Instagram. Kelso tries to protest to say that it's when Chico and the Man is on. Ding, 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 ding. Reference to a 70s show. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but she wants to listen to him describe it and ask him to do his Chico impression. When he does, she squeals with delight and then leaves the basement. Once Jackie leaves, they get into a debate about other girls they know, breast size, and which is bigger. Very typical. They keep talking, but are interrupted by Red trying to fix the dryer. As soon as Red enters, Eric covers by listing books from the Bible instead of girls' names. Red's missing tools and goes to find them. Then Kitty comes downstairs looking for Red, and Hyde changed his sentence to talking about the walls of Jericho tumbling down. Kitty starts telling the boys how... Red is trying to stay busy fixing things and that don't need fixing. Things she needs, things she uses, things she loves. Must hide the crock pot. <laughs> Red returns and kicks Kelso out after a ridiculous comment. He doesn't quite understand how to cover up his comments about Red and instead blurts out something about breast size of watermelons and what Moses said to the Egyptians. <laughs> okay. So it kind of bothered me, like you said, that they didn't list a date for this. But yeah. I caught on to the fact that Chico and the Man is on. And I was like, okay, maybe I can reverse engineer this a little bit. So I did a little research for timeline purposes. So if this episode, if we can assume that it's the new season for 1976 and not a rerun, then this either has to be before March of 1976, if it was the season that ran from 75 into 76 which I think would have been season two. Or if it's season three, it would have been sometime after the start of October because the new season started airing in October of 1976. So I don't know that they would have backed the timeline up as far as March because Eric's birthday was supposedly, or maybe it was the pilot, one of the two was in May. So I don't know that they would have rewound us all the way to March or if they would have accelerated as far up as October so either Cheek When the Man is a summer rerun and we're like in mid-August or this is probably happening sometime in October. I'm going to go with probably October. I think just because a lot of the time we're seeing people in sleeve, like long sleeve clothes, no. sometimes a double layer. like That's true, but they aren't in like full-size jackets. You have to imagine, this is Wisconsin. Yeah, it so you will have get to think cold. October in Wisconsin is probably like really cold, maybe even snowing. Potentially. Yeah. So I, that was what led me to think like, August. would it be October? Would it just be a rerun in like August? I don't know. Because I did find out that when it was airing, it was airing at 8.30 Eastern time, which I think in Wisconsin, I don't know how that lines up. I don't know if that makes it 7.30 or 8 o'clock because he said 8 o'clock is when Chico and the Man is on. 
So would that be a rerun? I don't know. This is another little detail that does not matter, but I really wanted to try and nail down the timeline and I was unsuccessful. Let's just say hopefully it's a rerun and, <laughs> and just leave it at that. The kids were happy with that because <laughs> exactly. they got TV. All right. <laughs> ah, so cue the rock and roll opening credits. Um, after the credits roll, Kelso and Eric uh, are shown finishing a round of basketball. And the boys at this point are still wearing their t-shirts and jeans from the first scene. But Donna is seen wearing a loose button-up t-shirt that's actually pretty long. I was surprised for the 70s how long this shirt was. And she's wearing some burnt orange colored pants. Very classy. <laughs> Very 70s. Donna jumps into play, but Kelso goes to leave since he has to go call Jackie. And as they're playing, both Donna and Eric start to narrate what's happening, what they're doing with Donna dragging her plays out to distract Eric. Donna ends up kicking his butt in the game, and in her victory chant and smack talk, she smacks Eric on the butt. Which, based on the events of the other episodes, could this be a flirtatious advancement of what they've already done? I don't know. Or it could just be friendly messing with each other. Eric starts to go inside, and he's acting a little bit upset about not winning, but he keeps his usual sarcasm by saying he'll leave the light on for her so she doesn't have to gloat in the dark. Donna asks, don't you want your balls back? And he, it's a little aggressive the way she says it, and he completely misunderstands and thinks it's uncalled for until he sees her standing there holding his two basketballs. I don't know about anybody else here, but does anybody else get a good laugh out of dirty jokes like I'm a teenager all over again <laughs> I just was like wow that's like a really aggressive thing to say when you beat your friend at basketball so this basketball this match this game whatever between the two of them becomes a real focal point of the episode so I wanted to ask you guys have you ever had a moment like this where you beat a crush or even just a friend at a game that either didn't go well or caused a problem or you got to brag about for years to come. Like, have you ever had anything like that? Not with sports because yeah. I'm not like physically inclined. Okay, I'm... that, yes, 100%. <laughs> I feel that. For instance, with me and my husband right now, I do certain things better than he does and vice versa. So we're not quite competitive there, but. I can I can go on to other stuff where I can gloat and he might be a little upset about it, but gotcha. <laughs> what about you, Sherlyn? No, like I mean, it it have to be games or sports, like in the moment, kind of. Mm -hmm. But other than that, no, not too, not too into sports. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Corinne. Though on the like, not super athletic. Like I love to play sports and things like that, but I. I I am well aware that I am not the most talented person out there on any of these things. But my husband and I do like to play games with each other. But he has this annoying trait. Okay, all of us sisters played a lot of card games and board games and things like that growing up. Yes. And so we kind of got used to the, the way that each other played, like our competitive nature, how we would strategize. Like, we kind of got a feel for each other and we developed a really good competitive balance with each other where we could play and have fun, right? Um, well, you say that. And I distinctly remember a round of Monopoly where you wouldn't let me go <laughs> until I got you high. Okay. So I'm going to say a little dark. you're a little bit competitive. We 100% would manipulate Corinne to do things for us. I'm so sorry, Corinne. So take it back. No, like... We did eventually get to where we could just have fun playing games and like, it would be fun, you know? 
My husband and I, however, we still love to play games with each other, but we would try to play games. And even now he just has a different strategy when it comes to playing a game. And here's what I mean by that. I play a game to like have a good time, solve the puzzle, like find a way to make it competitive and like win. He starts to play a game and he starts thinking, how can I break down my opponent and screw them over during the game? <laughs> to, like ruin all their strategies. So I'm like busy, like I'm going to build up my thing. You're going to build up your thing. We're going to make sure that like, we're going to see whose strategy works better. And then we'll, we'll figure out who wins. And he's like, how can I F this up for you? And it is infuriating for me because I'm one of those people that I'm like, I like this the way that I want it to go. Like, just let me play the game the way I want to play. And he will, he'll do everything to like mess with you. I so, feel like you have taken that attitude and put that in the games when we have like cover your assets and we play with my husband. Oh <laughs> no, like your husband just doesn't like the game. So we just... Yeah, that too. But but I feel like you guys put that energy into these are the rules, we'll make it so <laughs> Oh, come on. You guys just no, the thing with your husband is he likes to change the rules. He doesn't like a game, he just wants to change all the rules. <laughs> to and make I'm like, it work. Yeah. But no, like it's more fun to play within the parameters because this is the challenge. And your husband's like, let's just make it easy on me. Let's just do it my way. That's <laughs> that's the, the difference there. But yes, Michael and I definitely team up against you and Rob when we play games. A hundred percent we do that. <laughs> you guys take the longest time. They do. They're the worst. We love you. We don't you. judge you. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, so the first time I met, I met my in-laws, um, we were playing a game called Aggravation. It's kind of like, sorry. Where I usually play with, like, you guys. I yeah. kind of take the same strategy. But I was a Michael in that situation. <gasps> no. And um, the first time I met Clyde, he we were playing. We were all joking around, and he called me a little shit. <gasps> <laughs> and you're like, oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> but I have a good relationship with him now. That's we good. just can't play games all together. Oh, no. Like, even to this day, it's a problem. <laughs> my husband gets too competitive. I start being a Michael, and I just take everyone down with me oh. as I'm going. <laughs> so we just don't play games over there. I love it so much. Well, starting in scene three, we are in the foreman's kitchen with Red violently shaking the table, insisting that it's wobbling. In this scene, we see Red wearing a short sleeve, uh, light green collared shirt with a pair of jeans. This is kind of more casual wear for Red. Eric is wearing a long-sleeved, kind of multicolored plaid, also with jeans, kind of also more casual. Kitty, on the other hand, is wearing a long pink, red, and white blouse, and uh, a red skirt and wedges. She's looking fancy, and she is nailing it. <laughs> Eric suggests putting a sugar packet under the wobbling table, and Red spouts off everything that is wrong with people putting sugar packets under the tables and the, all those kinds of solutions instead of actually solving their problems. He leaves to get a saw, and Kitty and Eric decide that he is officially going crazy. Okay, I see that Red is just spiraling right now because of the lack of work, and I get that. But as someone who lives in a very old home that's had a lot of sugar packet fixes, quote-unquote, I can see how he just wants things done right at the same time. Like, he's going to fix it, and he's going to fix it the right way. I mean, he's picking at things that don't actually need fixing, but I, I get wanting it done the right way the first time. I feel like I do that when I'm extra stressed, though, and I'm avoiding the thing that is stressing me out. Like, if I need to make an important phone call, nope, I'm going to organize the desk in my room that needs dusting and um, go through all the paperwork. Or, like my example in, I think it was last week, of uh, deep cleaning my car when I was nesting instead of dealing with the baby items. Like, I find something else, not the thing that's stressing me out, and I hyper-focus on that instead. 
So like Red is worried about work and bills and all the things. And he's like, nope, I'm going to focus this energy on something that does not need my attention right now. I get it, but not productive, unfortunately. No, not great. It's really a bad strategy. (laughs) As someone whose husband thinks they're handy and I want things a certain way and my husband wants it a certain way, if it doesn't need fixing, just don't touch it. (laughs) (laughs) So you're the kitty in this moment, like... No, no, just leave the table alone. We're eating. We're fine. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, hey, what if we do this and this and this? He's like, why do we need to change things? Mm. <laughs> so it can go both ways. I understand where Red's coming from, but if the refrigerator's fine, leave the refrigerator. <laughs> oh, I know. That comes later on, but yes, you're right. Well, continuing back in the scene, in the basement, we get a 360 shot of the kids in the circle. Ding, 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 ding. Mark it off your bingo cards. The kids are in the circle. We only see the tops of the kids' shirts, but we it seems Kelso is, again, wearing a brightly colored tight shirt. Eric is wearing a button-up shirt. Hyde is wearing a button-up with a wide collar and an intricate pattern. And Bez seems to be in a baby blue vest with a matching wide collar button-up shirt underneath. The boys seem to be horrified that Donna beat Eric in basketball. Oh, the horror. Eric doesn't see it as a big deal. But they all make fun of him because Donna is a girl. Which I honestly take offense to them. Oh doing my that. goodness. I had so many issues with this. I have I have so many notes. Yeah. Just all the notes. We'll take a pause on it. We'll come back to it yes, we, we will finish revisit. This we will revisit. <laughs> they all seem to know Eric has a crush on Donna at this point, which kind of goes into your timeline that you were describing. Yes. That might honestly mm-hmm. be later in the year. Mm-hmm. Fez makes an argument that in, in his country, if a girl beats you it means she wants you. But this is America. Wuss. <laughs> they all start chanting, wuss, wuss, wuss. Eric points out that Kelso's also totally whipped. Whipped like the family pig. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Sorry, Fez totally misinterprets an English phrase or misunderstands it. Whipped like the family pig. Mark it off your bingo cards. But Kelso thinks he is not pig whipped. Hyde and Eric bring up the Chico impression and phone call demands. And Fez takes it too far and gives an example of Rubbing oil on his thighs. None of the boys know what to say after that. Fez begging, can somebody else please talk now? Please, someone else talk now. <laughs> so awkward. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know if you notice when um, when Fez is saying, can please somebody else talk now? Or I keep saying the line wrong, but yes, when he's when saying, he's saying that, that, you can definitely see Vector starting to like do a little smile, which I don't know if that is him actually breaking or if that's like him trying to be like Fez is kind of uncomfortable smiling but you can definitely see a smile starting there what'd you say his name was what is it Wilmer Wilmer <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Victor Valderon but that's not right Victor. it's Wilmer Valderon <laughs> Victor okay a force that has both direction and magnitude <laughs> I've been watching Blaze and the Monster Machines I love love Blaze, but that was a a quote from Despicable Me. (laughs) Anyway. (sighs) Okay. Also, though, it is so hard to watch the boys be throw... Throw. Oh, my goodness. It's so hard to watch the boys be so threatened by Donna beating Eric. Like, girls can be good at things, and it doesn't take away from the boys. Like, just because she is good at things does not mean that you also cannot be good at things. It doesn't make you less masculine just because she happens to be talented at something. Oh, it makes me so angry. 
so hot under the collar. Yeah, I get it. Like, if we're having to dumb down so that guys aren't feeling emasculated. I totally get it. Oh, it's, it's so frustrating. It's kind of like, I'm having this problem with two of my girls, where my older daughter, anytime that I praise my younger daughter for anything, she'll jump in and be like, but mommy, look, I can do it so much better. Mommy, if you love her, don't, does that mean that you don't love me as much? And I'm like, sweetheart, like the two things are not connected. I can praise your sister and also think you are still talented. I can say, I love you to your sister and still love you as well. Like it doesn't take away from you. And it's kind of the same with the basketball, just because Donna's good at something and she happened to have a good game. It doesn't take away from the fact that you are still a man, Eric. Like it's okay that you lost this one time next time. Maybe you'll do even better. It's fine. Like it's so frustrating for me. Or just get better. And like, you won't have to feel emasculated. Right. I am to my level. I wonder if he was kind of nervous, like knowing that they were flirting, you know, mm -hmm. they were getting to a point at, at this like, maybe he was just nervous about how to play. Like, how, how far does he go with certain behaviors? Like, yeah, do teasing. I try to beat her? Do I not? Because I want her to like me. I don't know. Do I get rough? Do I? But then when he's so threatened afterward, it's so frustrating. And his friends mm -hmm. keep beating up on him about it. Yeah. We enter the next scene where Red is back in the kitchen after fixing the table. And he is in his usual button-up top, belt, and jeans with his brown shoes. Kitty's in a floral top, matching skirt with her open-toed wedges and nylons. A very staple of the 70s. Oh my goodness, yes. The wedge, the open-toed wedges with nylons. So your toes are covered with the nylons, but your toes are exposed in the wedges. It's a style that was so in, and it drives me crazy every time I see it. Maybe it's just so they didn't have exposed legs. Yeah, it, that's 100% what it was. They grew up having to cover up their legs, and so they would wear these cute shoes, but then your toes are still covered. Like, maybe her toes weren't done, which is another reason for the nylons. Not a fan. I don't know. Not a fan. It's very 70s, though. <laughs> Kitty starts placing the items on the newly fixed table to prepare lunch, but she's acting extra cautious about it. She puts a melon on the table. Then seems to think that she's made a mistake because she keeps her hand on it while stretching her body and reaching as far as she can to grab a knife from the counter. Red wants her to let it go, and she tries to distract him with fishing talk, but he insists. When she takes her hand off the melon, it rolls right to the floor. Ugh, how many of you guys thought that the melon, like, split when it hit the ground? It, like, kind of bounced, but I'm like, oh, I bet it cracked. That was my first thought, but it didn't stay on there long enough. I would have loved to just see the actual, like... You know what's going to happen. It's going to come down and you're just going to see it split and kind of go yeah. all, all on the floor. I will say the first time that I saw this episode, like my first exposure to it, I remember thinking, oh, the table's fixed. Why is she acting so weird? It didn't even occur to me that the scene was filmed at slightly an angle so that the table looked level and everything else was off. I did not see it the first time until after oh. I had seen the whole scene. And then it was so glaringly obvious to me. I'm like, oh, I see what's going on. But they got me. They got me in my first watch. I would have never thought about that I, about the camera angle. Yeah, I definitely noticed it watching it. The first time? or mm -hmm. Yeah, today. Well, not like the first time 20 years ago. Okay. But That's like, what I'm talking about. Like the first time I watched it years and years ago, it didn't even occur to me. And then now it's very obvious. Yeah. Oh, see, it just dawned on. Like upon the first time watching it, it was like, okay, I see what she's doing. Like because she's holding it because it was like very obvious like moments after and before he's asking her to let it roll like oh something I, is happening something's off with this table and she knows it and that's why she's so cautious mm -hmm. like very strange <laughs> we go to the pinciati kitchen bob midge and donna are eating lunch their table seems wobbly and bob asked midge to put some sugar packets under it <laughs> i love that callback <laughs> midge is 
in an extremely high-waisted jeans and sleeveless blouse with an almost chain print. Donna is in a casual striped shirt and jeans with her hair pulled half up. Bob is in an off-white dress shirt, brown pants, very wide brown striped tie. This is the second time that we've seen Donna in a very similar outfit in this episode. Like the vertical stripes and a long button-up top. Like, this is almost the second outfit in a row that's almost identical, but they're not the same. I was just like, huh, this is a weird choice that they're making twice in the same episode. Huh. I would not have thought about that in the same episode. I would think different episodes to reuse the... Uh, right, reuse your wardrobe yeah, like a normal the, person. Yeah, but like especially for this show. twice in a row, I was like, huh, that's an interesting choice. Sorry, huh. continue. You're fine. <laughs> As the family finishes lunch and Bob goes back to work and the phone rings. On the other end, Jackie just screams in surprise at Midge, and she automatically hands the phone to Donna. Jackie's wearing a unicorn shirt, a red handkerchief scarf, and a rainbow necklace with a light blue eyeshadow and butterfly clips in her hair. She can't believe Donna beat Eric at basketball. Eric will never be her boyfriend if she keeps beating him at things. She tries to compare it to West Side Story, but the comparison of Maria and Tony don't quite translate, and Donna ends the conversation with, don't worry, someone will stab Eric. Bye! <laughs> I love that ending. Um, it has been many, many years since I've seen West Side Story, but as I was researching for this episode, I came across the fact that it said that Tony is not killed in the knife fight. So during the phone conversation, Jackie says to Donna something about, um, he'll never be your boyfriend if you keep beating him at things, and she quips back, yeah, and then Tony never would have died in that knife fight. Well, Tony didn't die in the knife fight. No, Riff and Bernardo were killed in the knife fight. And then Tony is later shot by Chino. Does any of this ring any bells? Corinne, you're nodding. Yes, yeah. I think I watched it maybe a few years ago because I remember hating West Side Story the first time I watched it. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I think my husband was on a trip. And so I was like, I'm going to try to watch it one more time, give it a chance. Was it the original or the new one? The original. Okay. The one from the 60s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't love it. I mean, I could appreciate it, but I still didn't like it. It's a very heavy, like, movie for it trying to be so lighthearted and the dancing and the singing and everything. It's still, like, very heavy subject matter. It's hard. It's hard to get through. Yeah, it's trying to be a Romeo and Juliet, but make it political for the time, but also, like, make Murder-y it... Murder-y and, yeah. like... <laughs> Change it so Maria didn't die at the end. And yeah, a musical exactly. all in one. Yeah. Trying yeah. to make it upbeat and bouncy. But yeah. <laughs> Corinne, kind of like what you were saying earlier, since everyone does seem to know about Donna and Eric having the crush on each other and Jackie talking about the possibility of Eric being Donna's boyfriend, I do think it is safe to assume that this is happening after the events of the first episode, just like you were saying. Um, so that means Chico and the Man was either playing the reruns or this is in October. And since we don't see the huge coats like we were talking about earlier, it's probably safe to assume August or September at this point. Yeah. So I actually have spent some time in Canada um, for like a year and a half, almost two years. And so I know for me personally, in it was Alberta, so not quite Wisconsin, but still north, mm -hmm. um, that it can get pretty cold starting September, October. Usually it's not quite September, so... It makes sense that they're not in big puffy jackets in... Mm -hmm. If it is in September? Mm -hmm. Do you think if it was October that they would need more layers? Maybe some layers, depending on like... I know with Wisconsin, it's going to be closer to the lake effect. So they might have wanted thicker jackets and stuff. But if you look, they're also always usually indoors. Or if they're outdoors, it's a little bit 
um, not into the evenings all the time. So I would say maybe October, September-ish is okay with that timeline. Okay. So the only thing that's really standing out to me is some of their pickup games when Donna and Eric are playing. Mm -hmm. She's wearing, I mean, like sometimes her sleeves are longer. Sometimes they're kind of rolled up. So she doesn't seem that cold. But I think at the very end... Um, there's a scene where Red is outside on the driveway with Eric, and I think he's wearing short sleeves at that point, and it does look dark, like it's evening. So that makes me think it's probably not freezing cold out yet. I don't know. I've never been to Wisconsin, so I can't tell you. Right, right. But it is is close to Canada where you were, so you have Mm -hmm. a better idea than us here in Arizona of how this might have felt. Yes. I've been to, like, negative 20, negative 30 degrees, so I I know how that feels. (gasps) so cold. I can't even imagine. <laughs> it is. Um, we also never see or hear anything about school, and the kids are home for lunch. So I am assuming that this is a Saturday, but it's interesting that Bob is eating lunch with the family and then says he has to go back to work. It felt very 70s to have him go home midday for a lunch that Midge most likely made him, and then he returns back to work. And we don't know yet what he does. We do find out later, but I was like, oh, that's like that's a thing that people used to do. They would go home for lunch and like eat with their families. It's cute. We returned with Donna hanging up, and Midge says she thinks her annoying friend is right. Donna reminds her mom that they've been playing games their whole lives, and sometimes they each win. But Midge's 1950s upbringing comes out. She says the rules change and that women have to act weak and fragile so that men can feel superior. Donna's reaction is spot on with the rest of us when she insists women need to stand up for themselves or men will always control the world. Bob re-enters the kitchen and Midge, trying to prove a point to Donna, screws the lid back on the pickles she has just opened and hands them to Bob, insisting that she needs his help to open them. He tries, has some trouble, and then when he succeeds, she fawns over him and tells him she's so lucky to have her big, strong grizzly bear around. He acts like a bear and leaves the room. Donna is disgusted with this display. Donna brings up the Equal Rights Amendment and Midge throws some serious shade. That's great, dear. You stick to your principles and 40 years from now you can tell all your cats how you won a basketball game. (laughs) That is some serious, like, mom burnage right there. Like, oh, gosh. Like, of course she can stand up for herself. It doesn't mean that she'll end up a spinster, but Midge is uh, convinced otherwise. Yeah, I feel like she's a little, like, too in that mindset of... Yeah. Like, things are changing. Like, just a little bit. Yeah, Midge was very sheltered still. I do have a little story, though, speaking of this whole pickle jar incident. So, (laughs) I've been married for almost 10 years now, okay? And most of the time, I, like, handle things by myself. If I need a jar open, most of the time I can handle it. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, Michael, I need your help with this or whatever. But there was this one specific time that there was a jar of pickles that I could not get open. And it was actually recently. It was within the last couple of months. And I went to my husband and I said, Michael... I have to ask you to do the most cliche thing I've ever done. Are you ready for this? Like, this is a big moment in our marriage. I cannot get the jar of pickles open. And he immediately jumps up and he goes, this is my moment. I've been waiting for this. He like runs into the kitchen. He's so proud of himself. He pops open the pickle jar and he's like, I did it. I opened the jar of pickles for you. This is amazing. We finally got there. I'm like, thank you, sweetheart. I love this. But his enthusiasm was amazing. I loved that moment. It was really, really, it was worth waiting all that time to make him open a pickle jar for me. (laughs) 
Um, I also have a 70s fact here about the Equal Rights Amendment because Donna brings it up. I thought it was um, important to talk about what that is. Um, the ERA is what they call it. It was originally drafted. Do you guys know this? It was originally drafted in 1923. Wow. It has been around for a long time. It was drafted by two leaders of the women's suffrage movement. After they had um, after they had passed the 19th Amendment and women could vote, it seemed like the next logical step to make women officially, legally equal to men. However, most of the House and the Senate were male at this point, and they managed to squash the movement for almost 50 years. It finally gained popularity in 1972 and was given a seven-year deadline to be ratified by at least 38 states. I think that's the two-thirds majority, right, is the 38 states. I think so. By the time that this episode is happening in 1976, they would have been four years into that seven-year deadline period. They did end up extending the deadline, but by 1982, only 30 states had still ratified the ERA, and it was dropped. However, interestingly, people opposed to the ERA were worried about things like same-sex marriage and gender-neutral bathrooms. They thought that passing the ERA would somehow usher in those two things, which are two things that have gained some level of legality in recent years. So that sort of negates some of those previous worries, I guess, at this point. Um, so in 2017, states revisited the ERA and have started ratifying it again. But because of the deadline, there are lots of issues going on with Congress about whether or not the deadline will stand or be lifted. So now there are 38 states who have ratified it, and it's up to Congress. If they lift the deadline and say it's fine, then the amendment will pass. If they hold the deadline, then it might have to go through a whole other ratifying process. I don't know what happens after that. But it's like close-ish now to being like a full-fledged amendment. It just It's up to Congress at this point what they're going to do with that deadline, which I thought was interesting. Like it's been a long time coming. It's almost 100 years old. Next year, it will have been 100 years since it was drafted. Now, some of the language and verbiage have changed over the years, but yeah, it's been a long road for the ERA. Wow. Well, now the kids are back at the hub, and the set for it has completely changed since we last saw it in the first episode. In that episode, if you guys remember, the walls were like dark and wood paneled, and it was very much like a, a packed arcade. It was the very first time that we had seen Fez, and there was that whole like, Jackie insisting Donna go to the bathroom thing with her and it was a it was a very dark different set so now the walls are all white and it seems like more of a snack bar with a few scattered games and the only indication that it's the same place is the fact that you can see the name the hub on the door like on the opposite side maybe they expanded in that timeline maybe you know who knows who knows but I thought it was I, I was like that's interesting that they kept the same name like not just changing the establishment to like a different hangout spot they kept it the hub yeah and I never had noticed that the arcade in that first episode was called the hub until we started this rewatch and I saw it on the door and I thought oh that's so weird that that's the original set for the hub but it's different now Jackie's on the phone going on and on about some catty girl story and Kelso listens but he's clearly bored on the other end on the wall-mounted payphone. And I said, ding, 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 ding. Um, I'm counting this as a reference to 70s technology because he's stuck at a payphone mounted to the wall. That's not something that you usually see now. Hyde and Fez are trying to get him off the phone so that they can go to the movies and call him a wuss again. Kelso pulls the phone away and covers it up so that he can tell the guys he's going to make up an excuse to hang up. 
only to have Hyde move his hand from the earpiece to the mouthpiece. Kelso hadn't blocked Jackie from hearing him talk about getting off the phone. So ding, 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 ding. Kelso has a dung moment. <laughs> you can mark it off your bingo cards because he's covering up. He's literally covering up the top of the phone where you hear instead of the bottom. For those of you who've never seen a wall-mounted phone before, <laughs> you have to cover up the bottom where your mouth goes. Which, you those can't phones are um, at least 30 years old right now, so that they sounds about right. They are yes. <laughs> Cell phones don't have the same anatomy as that, you know? It's just very different. Yes. So, uh, Jackie angrily hangs up, and the guys convince Kelso to just call her back later. After they leave, Donna asks Eric to play air hockey. Still not happy about losing to her in basketball, though. He comes up with a bunch of really lame excuses for why he can't. One of my favorites being that he thinks he's coming down with the flu. Like, Lame. really? Really, Eric? You're going to go that far? Like, my wrist hurts? Like, all these things. So then she casually, like, states, that's all right. I'm pretty bad at it anyway. And the reverse psychology totally works, and he jumps up for a game. Eric gets the first point, followed by Donna immediately getting a point. Over and over again, we see her scoring until she finally states, that's game. The camera pans to Eric, and we get our only fantasy for this whole episode. Eric is now wearing a very 70s wrap dress, like bright yellow dress. He's got earrings in. He's wearing a butterfly necklace. He's got pink lipstick on. His hair is curled up and fluffed at the edge. It's like slightly feathered. It's very 70s. Donna asks if he's okay that she won. Like, are you okay with that? And he replies, sure. And his dress inflates with these fake breasts, like balloons. Whoa. He exits then without a word. Let me just say, as this scene happens, like, as you watch it, when he goes to his side, however they made these fake ones, <laughs> as, as he goes to his side to, like, start to walk around this table or something, it's like, I don't know if if it was supposed to be natural, but they were instantly lopsided. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit, notice. little bit not level. And then he, and then like he continues to walk and you, and it goes quickly to his backside. So you don't see that anymore, but it was just, as he turns, as he starts to walk, it was like, those aren't even like they're, they're, <laughs> they're teetered. Not, I guess that's the only way to say it is they're not level. So, I did like, not <laughs> notice that at all. Not at all what my focus was on. <laughs> Well, yeah, like, you can see where mine was. Pointed like this. No, 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 no. There's, like there's no pointing, but it was just they're, they're not level, and it was instant notice to me. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and obviously, to them being fake, and they are fake enough looking because it was an inst well, instant blow up, but they are very balloon esque. Mm -hmm. You know, when in you know when you look from the camera view. But it was just like, they're big enough, and they're fake, and they're not level. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> okay, this was another one of my notes, you guys. And I'm, I'm going to try and not get too ranty with this. This episode is titled Battle of the Sexists. So, of course, going in, I know that they are completely playing up the sexist attitudes of the 70s. I yes. know it's played for laughs. I know that they are just showing how dysfunctional the attitudes were back then. Um, and that things don't necessarily work this way now for most people. But it took me a really long time to figure out why this bothered me so much. It just, it sat wrong with me. And I think it's because the idea here is that losing equals girly. And that girly equals less than. So literally, if you are seen to be anything like a girl, you are instantly seen as less than. And that really bothers me. I know that that's what the attitude was in the 70s. 
I know that they basically treated women like second-class citizens, which is why they wanted that ERA, but it still, it drives me mad to this day that that's sometimes the attitude is that something is girly, it's considered worse or less than. So like, for example, if my son sees a toy that's geared for a girl, it's not good enough for him. However, the girls are able to play with the boy toys and that's fine. Like it doesn't go both ways because boy toys are fine. They're up here, whereas girl toys are seen as less than like, and I know that that's an extreme example. I know that that's not how like life has to run, but it's very obvious in this episode. Again, I know it's played for laughs. I'm trying not to get too bogged down in it, but it really bothers me because when Donna wins, she's not seen as masculine. She's just seen as that she's got talent or she's doing good, you know, but because she's a girl, everyone expects her to act like she's less than or not as good or to back down so that the men can feel better about themselves. And as a mom of three girls and one boy, it, I'm, I, I'm hoping to raise them not with these viewpoints. I don't want my son to see himself as above his sisters or as above women. I don't want my girls to see themselves as less than their brother. Like they can be just as talented. All they can good. have different talents and that's okay too. You can be really good at something that is girly and you're still really good. You can be as good at something as your brother and that's okay too. Like he can be as good at something that you like to do. And that's okay. You know, it doesn't have to be a competition of who's better. You know, mm-hmm. it just, it eats at me from the mom perspective. I, it, it bothers me. I hate that. And I can't articulate it very well, but it bothers me that girly equals less than. Yeah. And that is still a pervasive opinion, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We'll bring it on to lighter things. And sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. I'm just, Trying to move us along. <laughs> well, starting in the next scene, Red is again trying to fix the table. We see him checking his level and making sure everything is just right. Once he steps back and pulls up a chair, he then realizes that the table is now too short. As he starts to go out to the garage, he hesitates and thinks the fridge is just running too loudly. He stops and hesitates and was like, Do you hear it? Do you hear it, Kitty? Kitty is fiercely defending her fridge and singing loudly to try to fend Red off. And just, she's like, I don't want anyone to touch my fridge, essentially. Uh, in this scene, we see that uh, Kitty is wearing something different from before. Red is some wearing very similar attire as the, uh, the previous day with a short button-up collar shirt and jeans. Kitty is wearing something very different. She is wearing a light blue collared shirt, a short sleeve shirt, with a floral A-line skirt, which is very, very 50s. And you can tell it's kind of outdated, but it matches her character. Mm -hmm. So one thing that she mentions when she is talking about the table being too short, she says, we'll just get rid of these chairs and we'll sit on the floor like those nice people in Flower Drum Song, right? I have never heard of this show, movie, whatever, apart from this reference. So I looked it up. And it was actually a musical from 1961, and it was about a Chinese family, not a Japanese family. So she says that nice Japanese family in Flower Drum Song, but they were Chinese, so that was a little mistake there. And I was trying to read through the synopsis to try and get, like, an idea of what this thing was about, but I was having a really hard time keeping all of the names straight, so I gave up. It was, like, 10.30 at night, and I'm a really tired mom, so, like, 
Leave me alone. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, one thing I did learn about it, though, was that the song I Enjoy Being a Girl is actually from this movie. I had heard this in so many different iterations. I've seen it in commercials. I've seen people cover it. Never knew what it was from. It's from Flower Drum Song. Wow. Interesting. Yes, I know. One thing that I never would have never would have put together. Now we go to Donna going back to Eric's house to see if he'll play basketball with her again. Donna will fake losing. Eric sees through this little charade and asks, asks why. I think Eric is wearing corduroy pants here and a casual light sweatshirt. Donna has on bell-bottom jeans, a black shirt, and a blue long-sleeve button-up top, which I think gives us idea of maybe August, September, like yeah, we discussed. Yeah, light sweatshirts. And it's getting towards e evening. So they're just covering up. They're getting a little chilly. Donna copies her mom's example and does a bear growl immediately hates that she even said that. Eric doesn't want her to pity him. Eric clearly cares that he's lost some games recently to Donna. While he explains that he doesn't care, Eric has a moment and throws the basketball into the garage. Kitty has come outside to find something in the garage and happened to watch the whole I don't care fit. Eric was a little shocked and I think a little ashamed that she saw this. Kitty calls him out and sets him straight and proceeds to find a hammer and breaks the garage in an attempt to get Red to work on his broken garage instead of her fridge. The look on Eric's face is priceless. He looked worried. Yeah, like, oh my gosh. I wrote, go Kitty. I don't think I would ever seriously go through with something like that. But she is just so done and she doesn't care anymore. She's just like, get away from my stuff already. Like, stop messing up all these things I use. Focus on your own stuff. Pretty much. It's like, that is your man's domain. It's a garage. Yeah. Eric's domain is the basement. Yours is the garage with the car and all the things. Why don't you fix something on the car? Get out of my kitchen. <laughs> Why don't you do an oil change? Rotate your tires. Take your time to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Focus. Make sure it's done all, all right. And then call it a day. I love how casually she acts about it too. Red, honey, there's something wrong with the garage door. Like, oh, she's a stealth player. She she knows what she's doing. I would think go, go make sure that all the doors that are squeaking in the house, start <laughs> oiling them. Don't yeah. go for all the... You know, Don't mechanical stuff. Back at the hub, Jackie storms in and insists that she and Michael need to talk. Ding, 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 ding. She walks in and instantly, Michael. So mark it off your bingo cards. Jackie says Michael in her bossy tone. In this scene, she's wearing very high-waisted light blue bell bottoms, like baby blue almost, matching light blue eyeshadow. Oh my goodness, so 70s with the light blue eyeshadow yes. in this Twice show. now. Twice, yes. And she's got a blue and purple floral crop top that kind of ties in the front. And you can see that she's also wearing wedges. Kelso is in a shirt with a weird, like almost watercolored stripe print. He, his shirts, sometimes his prints are really weird. Hyde also has a stripe top and a jean vest. And Fez is in patterned pants with a button up. The guys tell Kelso to go be a man. And then as soon as he walks away, they agree she will crush him. <laughs> That's Fez saying that. And all Jackie has to say is, so, Michael, Michael tries to act like he's going to be brave in front of the boys, but then he immediately caves and apologizes. A stare down is epic. Oh, yeah. Jackie then demands that Kelso get her a pop. And as she walks past the other guy, she pumps her fist in the air in victory. Like, oh, yeah. Hyde and Fez confront Kelso about being a wuss again. And Kelso takes a minute to hear them out and then says, all right, hands up. Who's getting some? Hyde? Fez? Anyone? Yeah. And walks away. 
leaving Heidenfest speechless and a, a little begrudgingly impressed, I think. Like, okay, yeah, he's got us. All right. All right. He's got a girl and we don't. I don't think I've ever had as much power over a guy as Jackie does here. Like, not that I want to order anybody around necessarily, but like the fact that all she has to do is say so Michael and he's like instantly groveling. Like, what must that be like to have him just instantly bend to your will? I don't know. I don't feel like I've ever had that. You guys? No. Relationships no. just don't work like that. <laughs> right. It's just, I mean, it's not healthy. It's not good, but I've just never had that kind of power over somebody. So I don't know if it's in this scene or previous scenes. I just made a note here that Fez mentions that his ancestors are not Mayan. And so I don't know with maybe this episode and with previous episodes where he describes his, his uh, home. Mm-hmm. If we want to like start making a list of all the things that he says about where that he's is from. A great idea. Okay. I can easily go back because it's only four episodes, but yeah, like his, my, his ancestors are not Mayan. We know that. We know that if a woman beats you at something, it makes her want you. Mm-hmm. We know that um, the not it game. It's lucky to fall in love with a woman that's older than you because they come with livestock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll have, I'll have to look back and make a list. That's a great idea. I like this. Well, moving on to the next scene then. Donna is playing basketball in Eric's uh, driveway and Eric starts talking to her as he's coming out from, I think, the backyard at that point. Um, they are waiting for each other to apologize. Donna apologizes first and then Eric does as well. She suggests that they no longer play any kind of sports together. She brings up the time that they wrestled together when they were younger. Eric points out that when they did that, she sat on his chest and made him eat dirt, which I loved. I'm like, go get it, girl. I can picture them as kids and her just being the aggressor. I mean, I get it. I was that girl, so. (laughs) I, I had the brute strength. I just didn't have the charisma of Donna. Yeah. So. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Eric and Donna start playing basketball again, and they start doing their own play-by-play commentary. Donna jumps on Eric, and they start to wrestle. Donna is very clearly stronger than Eric, and is clearly winning. Donna wrestles the ball from Eric, and starts crawling towards the dirt. Ding, 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 ding. At this point... They're about to have a very cute moment. So mark it off your bingo cards, Donna. Mm-hmm. Donna and Eric have a cute moment. As they turn and have their moment, Bob calls for Donna. Okay, we have to describe the moment a little okay. bit, though. I'll let you describe the moment. Okay, so then. she's reaching for the clump of dirt, and he's, like, trying to wrestle her back away from the dirt. And as he does it, he, like, crawls himself kind of on top of her, and she rolls back over. And they're both kind of stuck in this awkward moment, like very aware of how close they are to each other. Very aware that he's like on top of her. They've just wrestled each other. And neither one of them seems to know what to do at this point. And they just kind of pause. Not a sultry moment for no, sure. No, no, it's, not, it's not like supposed to be like overly dirty. It's just very like awkward. innocent. And like you're hanging out with your friend, like wrestling, like you've always done. And then all of a sudden you're both very aware of like, We haven't been in this situation before and like we've kissed in the past and like, what do we do? Like it's, it's marked with a lot of innocence and like, this is new territory for us. Yeah, exactly. But like I said, after that moment, Bob calls for Donna from the, uh, by the bell. (laughs) (laughs) He calls from her from the other, uh, yard, I think probably from their house. Exactly. Not really seeing what's going on. Just calls her for in for dinner. Um, she rushes to get up and runs home. Once Donna is gone, Red opens the garage, letting Eric know that he's heard the whole thing. 
Red goes through basic basketball drills with Eric to get him better. <laughs> so does anybody remember what a bedtime is? Because <laughs> um, what I remember about high school was that it was more of a curfew than a bedtime because we were all so busy or classes, you know, homework kept us up, do, you know, doing things till sometimes late or early into the morning just because it's high school. Like it just, you had you have sometimes a lot to do. And I think, and, and what, how I remember it is like mom was on top of us to be responsible about communication, you know, about where we were, but also like expected us that if we were out with friends that we'd better decide to come home and do our homework or we're going to be up late doing it. Right. And it's like, on us to get that done. Our grades are on us. Like, yeah. we didn't get in trouble for C's, I don't think, or even... I wouldn't know. I don't remember. I never had a C. I don't... <laughs> I think if I did, I, I it was probably uh, maybe with one or two of my math classes early senior or mid-senior year because of switching classes. Yeah. But other than that, like, thank goodness we were all, you know, good good students we were yes thank goodness <laughs> but i mean to that note it was like you know yeah because red says to him we've got four hours till your bedtime and we're gonna drill drill yeah. drill is that what got you like yeah time and also it's like okay they're up north so the sun goes down um a little bit earlier, earlier when it's yeah. later in the year so like that goes back to like september october maybe Maybe it's getting darker earlier. Probably. But so I was like, okay, is this around five o'clock? Is this around six o'clock? If it's around six o'clock and he's got four hours till his bedtime, is his bedtime ten o'clock? If this is around seven o'clock, like is his bedtime eleven o'clock? He's in high school. That seems more reasonable. He's like, seventeen now. Right. He is seventeen now. So like you'd think that his bedtime, quote unquote, would be later. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was super funny because of our own like path growing up there and it was just like, wow, I don't remember bedtimes. Yes, junior high, I kind of feel like we weren't as busy, but like high school, I, I, I just remember late all the time. Mm. <laughs> I think in this case, it's not like a hard and fast bedtime. It's just like a time that you're generally in bed or in your room at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. just like a, eh, you got four hours. We're going to do this. Like, yeah. Giving you some reasonable time. Yeah. Which would also make sense for Bob calling Donna back if they were just finishing getting dinner ready and call, just calling her in for Right, dinner. yeah. Maybe it's that time. Okay. We open the next scene with the hub where boys are on the phone with Jackie. Jackie is on the phone with what she thinks is Michael. It's really Feds listening and coaching Kelso throughout the conversation. And ding, 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 ding. As they're on the phone, Jackie mentions Barbara Streisand and somebody else. I can't remember who else she mentions, but you can mark off your bingo cards reference to a 70s celebrity. Fez wants the details when Jackie brings up one of their more intimate moments, only to answer back, ruining the whole system they had going to get Kelso off the phone. Then it moves quickly to the foremans are standing around the new table while they eat, discussing what a nice job Red did. Kitty continually tries to give compliments to Red, so that way he won't continue to talk about sawing off more of the new table legs. Even though she's clearly standing on top of a stool to eat dinner with the boys. Oh, I love that. She's she's too short to stand at this new table. She has to be at a stool so that the boys can stand. Yeah. Eric, as usual, makes some remark that almost gets him in trouble. Let me just say, what was Red thinking when making four 
new table legs and didn't think to measure and where the ending, you know, where the actual height of the table was going to be. Like, he is is so detailed (laughs) about things, but it's like, where did you stop and not think about what the end result was going to be here? He clearly is having some issues with this table. Something, he's got like a mental block going on or something. Like, let's cut four equal length. Oh, crap. It's too tall. At least it's level. (laughs) Yeah. He finally got it right there. As we can clearly see throughout this whole episode, his brain is not, like, on full capacity right now. He is not quite focused on what he needs to focus on. He's a little distracted. On everything. Mm -hmm. And nothing. All right. So, as that's the end of the episode, I wanted to get into some of our little categories at the end here. So, starting with what did you guys think was the funniest moment? Well, I wrote mine down so I can name them off for you right yeah, now. Yeah, go for it. First, we have the grizzly bear growling scene oh from Donna. Gosh, like so awkward. Because, one, she was copying her mom, but it was just like, that is just so cliche and ridiculous, and you were too young to be doing and that. Eric is so confused. He does not understand why she's calling him a grizzly bear and, like, growling. <laughs> He's, what? Yeah. Uh, the 40-year-old, you know, being 40 years in cats... That Midge oh. brought up, I thought that was a pretty funny moment. Like, okay, in forty years, you, you can tell that, your cats. Would that be the best quote? Do you think? I, or do you just there, thought it was a funny moment? Uh, there, there's way. still one of the great funny moments. Like, mm. and then uh, the the funny moment of no, describe it to me. Oh, and she starts. <laughs> oh, he sounds so disinterested. Okay, so when Fez is whispering to Michael what to say on the phone, and then hands him the phone, like. Don't you think Jackie would catch on to the fact that Kelso sounds so bored? Or no, not paying attention. Describe it to me. And she's yeah. like, okay. And like, she's all into the conversation and he's so deadpan. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if we, if that were you or I, like, we would have caught on to something. Like, hey, are you busy right You're now? You're a little distracted. Like, we can talk later. Yeah. Yeah. I would have ended it. <laughs> and then Kelso and just the, the groveling apology. Those are the oh. funniest bits that stood out to me. I didn't mean to make you hang up on me. Like... That's a little backwards. Okay. Yeah. Like, he, he immediately, immediately fell. <laughs> For me, it's not necessarily the funniest moment, but the moment I liked most in the episode was when Donna was starting to crawl for the dirt. Because oh. I loved that. I was like, yes, she's going to do it. She's going to do it. I do like that. Mine was definitely Kitty defending her fridge. Like, the fact that she decided to stand there, like, her whole body. No! Like, she's going to do something just by standing there. And then I love that she just picked any song and started singing at the top of her lungs. You can't like, hear the fridge. I, that was an Angelie moment. I like, singing something just loudly. Loudly and badly, just singing. <laughs> I loved it. Best quote. I had, like... I had way too many. I was having a really hard time narrowing down which quote I like. Can the I most. can I give off the best? Of course. I think we can all agree. Don't you want your balls back? <laughs> <laughs> that is such a one. That's a good one. It's very iconic. I liked in the beginning with Kelso not understanding the whole um, masking what he's supposed to be saying, and so he starts talking about red, and he's he's just going to be this pathetic guy with breasts the size of watermelons, like. Really, Kelso? That's where you went with that one? So that's for some reason always sticks in my head. I also liked when he says, I am not pig whipped. <laughs> and then the whole thing back and forth between the whole Maria and Tony conversation, the whole, uh, and yeah, Tony would never would have been killed in that knife fight. And neither will Eric if you're not careful. It doesn't make any sense, but I love that she throws that out there. No, somebody else stab Eric. Bye. <laughs> and then the last one that I really loved is, 
after Donna tackles Eric and gets the ball away from him. And he's like, okay, foul. Like finally <laughs> calls it. I love the attitude, the inflection, all of it. I love it. Okay. So that being said, I think my favorite one is says, can somebody please talk now? <laughs> please talk now. I do love that. It's a good one. Most relatable moment. I want to say wrestling. I also, I didn't actually do wrestling in high school or anything like that. But I like to wrestle with my friends, and mm-hmm. I can do that with my spouse now in a spicy way. But <laughs> <laughs> but also we like we just like to be goofballs and like actually wrestle each other sometimes. Yeah, so that's I like true. that. Did you do a lot of flirtatious wrestling before you were married? Not necessarily with your husband, but with other guys. My husband is the one that like actually would do it in a funny way with me and like mm-hmm. get away with it. I have Fun. a I have a story another day of uh, one of the first times we were actually wrestling when we were just dating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just having fun. But I'll save that for another day. Okay. I would probably be relatable to the wrestling as well just because I was that, you know, type of friend or, you know, that's kind of how some of my relationships like playfulness yeah. were also in high school with some of my friends. That's the type of person I was. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily the type that would wrestle or, like, be that physically aggressive or whatever toward a crush or even toward that, like, my friends that way. My, I feel like the most re- relatable part of that was the pause as they were wrestling when they realized, like, yeah, that too. look at the situation that we found ourselves in. Because I feel like you get that way with somebody that, like, you have a crush on, you're not sure, it's like, there's sparks flying, like, what's going to happen? Should we go in for it? Should we not go in for it? Like, I don't know if you guys have ever been in that situation with a guy that... You're like hoping that things will progress. Like, is he going to hold my hand? Is he going to kiss me? What's going to happen? Where you like, you pause in that moment and you're like, what do I do? I feel like I've been there with many different people and it's, it's kind of that, it's like a, it's like a rush, but at the same time, it's like, if it's wasted, like it is with Donna and Air, like they don't go anywhere. Sometimes you go back and you think about that, like, should I have done something differently? Was that awkward? Did he not like that moment? Did he like that? Like what happened there? What should I have done differently? You know? So I felt like that was kind of a relatable moment of like your relationship hasn't gone anywhere and it just adds some fuel to the fire a little bit. Speaking of that particular situation where you're like not quite sure what to do, when I had just moved back from Canada, I was on one of my first dates back and it had been about two years since I dated someone and I went on just a normal date with like a a friend of mine just to kind of get back in the swing nothing happened but we were in a group setting where just a group of us were all hanging out and we were watching a movie he moved into a different spot um just because there were the seating was weird and I wasn't sure if I was supposed to fall so like I did and I was like oh I should not have done that so (gasps) (laughs) I understand that oh what do we do here (laughs) should I have done that should I have not done that exactly so I totally get it I'm an awkward person it's fine Okay. I come to terms with it. <laughs> You're married now. It's fine. All right. Did anybody have anything else that they wanted to add to this one? Just the fashion. Those bell bottoms stick out. Oh, I know. And the colors. The colors for me every time. That was the choice. Okay. Okay. So speaking of fashion, I did notice that they all have very high-waisted pants. And I love that those are a thing. Not necessarily right now, but in the last few years because... I have a mom bod now, and so mm-hmm. it, I love high-waisted pants. They help my particular figure so much, and so I'm so <laughs> sad that low rides are coming back. I'm so scared. They're, they're just not going to fit the Hold same as they did when we were teenagers. Hold on to your favorite mom jeans now. 
Oh, I just said that they're, they're just not going to fit the same way as they did when we were teenagers after all these babies. My metabolism has also slowed a little bit. So it's just, it's coming. The 30s are coming. I know it. Yep. We're, we're there. We gotcha. Oh, okay. So fantasies, I added this one, the, the inflatable dress. <laughs> yep. I added it to our list. I think we're at like four now. I think there's been one per episode that I've added. So, so we'll go over the list and start eliminating things. Like I said, once we get to 10 and we'll start that, um, that list of what we know about Fez and his home country too. I like that idea. Um, the next episode will be season one, episode five. It is Eric's burger job. So make sure to check us out. Um, when we get that one released. Oh, and one one other note. There were no burns in this episode either. There were none. I mean, none of like the actual word burn. That's what I'm count saying. Midge's total burn on Donna and her 40 cats someday. <laughs> I mean, not talking about insult, I'm talking about the word burn. Yes, there was no burn. You're right. No burn yet, but they're coming. They will I, be here. I don't think Red mentioned any foot in places no, this episode either. No, he did not. Either. And he did not say that word. Which, by the way, listeners, we don't like to swear we don't tend to swear however sometimes the quotes they just come straight from the episode and you have to honor the way that they've said it so we're, we really are trying yeah the characters and keeping it in context we really yeah. are trying to limit though the the amount of swearing necessarily in our podcast so yeah we don't know what the ages and ranges are going to be for our our listeners. listeners and so we're trying to make it as accessible as possible yes for sure all right. Well, thanks for joining us here. You can find us on Instagram at We Watch Rewatch Podcast. And um, come join us next week. All yeah. right. Bye. Bye. Bye.